Hey everybody, welcome into Eminem and M Across the Board. I'm Ashley Miller, that's Sean Martin, Eric McDowell. Thanks for joining us for another week of sports talk. Uh, you can find us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, at MMMATB1. This week we've got college football. We haven't talked college football in a while, guys, so a lot has changed. College football, the rankings, the playoff, who we think is in, who we think is out. We're going to go around the NFL like we do every week. And then Mr. McDowell, we're going to dive into the NHL for maybe the first time this season. Yeah, he's got the old, old time hockey. Old time mm-hmm. hockey at the original six. Oh, that's a relic. We'll go around the NHL with Eric. Um, but yeah, let's start with Sean. And uh, you can kick it off with college football and what you think of the rankings, the teams, who's in, who's out. I, I get why they do the rankings now. You want to kind of let people know where they are. Beyond that, the rest of it's stupid. Okay. <laughs> it, it's a talking point. It's discussion. It's reason for ESPN to air countless hours of discussion on things that are mostly, at the end of the day, not irrelevant, but pretty close because there could be a game Thursday night, two teams from a mid-American conference that are going to tilt the odds some way because of common opponents and all that stuff. So, these rankings are a guide. If you're Oklahoma and you're ranked eighth and you're unbeaten, yeah, I'd be a little pissed, but you got time. You know what? Mm-hmm. The, the basic thing I always went even before this system years ago, and it was just the rankings and then the bowl championship series. Win your games, take care of your business, and the rest of it will play out. All right. If you're Oklahoma and you're unbeaten in the Big 12, chances are you're going to go to the tournament. Yeah. When you consider the other the other conferences have a team with a loss, um, so just chill out, okay? Don't get up in arms. If you're Cincinnati, I get the apprehension. You're not winning games yeah. by enough, and that matters uh, when you don't play a, a full time schedule as, as big as the other things. But take care of your business, and you'll be okay, okay? And then I'll come back a little bit and tell you what I think is going to happen. After you guys have a turn. I was going to say, but will they be okay? I think the rankings are the most important for teams like Cincinnati to kind of get an idea of how the committee feels about them. Because if you wait until the end, well, you're going to be surprised no matter what. I think they're probably surprised that they're as low as they are, which is is five. So it's just outside of the top four. But now you still you still need an upset, and there's no guarantee that they're not going to jump one of those big conference teams over you next week, say – Oregon loses and falls out or Ohio state loses and falls out. There's no guarantee that Michigan isn't going to jump you. So I think for them, it's just like a security blanket for teams like Cincinnati or a Notre Dame or teams on the outside, Oklahoma, who are trying to move up the ladder and get in. So I like the idea of like kind of giving teams an idea and listen, maybe it gives them like a little bit of fire in the belly, a little something to play for because they know, Hey, currently we're on the outside looking in. So let's go. But I, there's no guarantee that if Cincinnati wins out that they're into this tournament. What what I like about polls, I know coaches hate them, especially here in basketball. You hear it even in <laughs> Division One hockey. But the fact is the media drives the fans' attendance at all levels, and the coaches need to understand that. And as a PR person, that's what we say. It's like, okay, if we're 8 out of 10, then the kids will get fired up. And if you pick first, you don't like the pressure. But the fact is it's it helps the media. It gets the coverage. This there's a lot going on. Uh, I think the Big Ten East race is is really in Ohio State's you know driver's seat at this point. The lone undefeated team in the conference. Michigan's still in good position, you know, sitting at five and one. 
but Columbus, you know, it's going to be tough for Ohio State with the games they've got coming up. Yeah. Uh, because they're 6 0 in the league, but they host Purdue. And Purdue, which Purdue do you get? The giant killer, or the one that's going to lose. So I think the offense is very strong with Ohio State. And I think uh, they can't look past this for the two Michigan games. It's going to be a fun month there. Uh, the one thing I really wanted to state, too, is the game at Tennessee, the SEC finale for Georgia. Uh, their defense, and Sean you know, picked them right from the start, they're allowing only 13 points or fewer in every outing. I mean, what defense is like that in anywhere in college football? And so, to me, this could be a tune-up for them. But it's, it is very important to have such a dominant defense. And I think uh, George is the only uh, thing that we can count on right now because it's so crazy all over the place. It really is. And yeah. those rankings are fun to watch, despite what the coaches say. Yeah, Eric, yeah. I agree. I think Ohio State uh, – I like Ohio State a lot, but of the Big Ten teams, they have the toughest – they get – three ranked opponents in the next three games. So if they can get through it, they will no doubt be in, but I think they've got the toughest challenge. Yeah. I think I watched the entire Ohio state game last week against Nebraska. I, I was a little confused with them. They didn't even, they didn't run the ball at all. They threw the ball over 50 times. That's not what they do. They won the game. That's all that matters. Um, here's who I think the final four are going to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. Georgia picked them at the beginning of the year to win it all. They're not going to lose. Uh, they'll get to the SEC title game, most likely play Alabama. But I think this is a year Alabama's got – they got some issues. I don't yep. I don't see yeah. a typical Alabama team. Cincinnati, uh, they don't play anybody the rest of the way. What Cincinnati needs is Houston to stay unbeaten in the AAC and pick them off in the, in the mm -hmm. conference title game. They have to have that, right? Gives them some, some kind of style points. Houston's ranked like 18th or whatever. The problem Cincinnati has is they get a big game last week. They win by eight points at home against a conference opponent. That's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Style points matter. you got to get people's attention. And, Ashley, you said that that could fire up a team. It could also be detrimental to a team. Yep. Uh, they could they could panic a little bit if things aren't going their way and they're not out winning 49 and nothing. I think they're going to get in. They really had one game this year, and that was Notre Dame, and they won it. Okay? I think they get in because I think Alabama is going to get picked off I think they're going to get picked off by Auburn at the end of the mm. year in the Iron Bowl. That game's in Auburn. Um, this is the year. Yeah. And remember, Alabama loses the tiebreak to Texas A&M uh, for the SEC Western uh, Division. So there's no guarantee Bama's even going to be in the SEC championship yep. game. A one-loss Bama team, if they go on to win the SEC, they're going to get in. But I think they get picked off. Oklahoma. Here's Oklahoma's problem. The Big 12 doesn't get a lot of respect. I'm not sure how much they deserve it. Um, Oklahoma finishes at Baylor versus Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Those teams are second, third, and third, tied for second. Those three to three, which have for yeah. second place. So they have their toughest part of their schedule ahead. But I that's good news for them because they need those games them. to elevate them up the rankings. Yes. That's if right. they can win, they're great. I don't yep. think they win. I think they lose at Oklahoma State in the Bedlam Bowl at the end of the month. And there's a good chance they're going to turn around and play them the next week under that scenario. They both go unbeaten into that game. They would play for the Big 12 title game. And maybe Oklahoma get beats Oklahoma State and knocks them out. So it gets a little gets a little crazy. I think Oregon makes it uh, there versus Washington State, this, uh, their next game. That should be a layup. At Utah could be tough. Utah's only lost one conference game, but Oregon should win it. They'll beat Oregon State and then a most likely rematch with Utah in the Pac-12 title game, you, Oregon gets in over Ohio State. 
if they have the same record, they beat them in Columbus. But I think Ohio State, you already talked about their schedule. I got a hunch this is the year Jim Harbaugh gets his win mm. and gets Michigan into the Final Four. Whoa. Well, that's that's pretty cool. I wanted to touch on Michigan, too, because Cade McNamara, 68% completion percentage and only two interceptions. You do that in college, you're right. going to have yourself a fun season. Uh-huh. He's putting up better numbers, I think, than Jim Harbaugh did as a quarterback in the pros, to be honest. And I'm glad you touched on Oregon because – Again, this West Coast bias, nobody's talking about them. Of course, the big win in Columbus, but they're eight and one. Their offense doesn't blow people out. But when you have a 50% uh, conversion rate on third down, you move the chains, you keep the other team's offense off the field. They're playing good enough to win right now. They're at number six and they're getting Washington State, which has a lot of, uh, you know, changes, of course, in the staff and the film room. So I'm glad you mentioned Oregon because I do think they'll get there too. Yeah, I'm not convinced that Bama won't get in. I think I, I don't see them losing to Auburn just because I they don't lose a lot in the regular season and they've already lost once in the regular season. So I feel like that's not a team you're going to get to lose twice in the regular season unless it's in the SEC championship game. And for me, unless they get absolutely pounded by Georgia and they're a two-loss team that gets just obliterated by the number one team in the country – I still think they're going to get in. The The committee is so obsessed with this team that yeah. I just don't think they're going to put you, – you know they're not going to put – if you have a – the best thing Cincinnati can hope for is a two-loss Pac-12 champ and a two-loss Big 12 champ because those, would be, those guys would be out and Cincinnati would immediately be in. I don't think you're going to get either of those, though. I don't think you're going to get Oregon to lose another game, and I don't think you're no. going to get Oklahoma to lose two games of their next three. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I see Cincinnati in. There's just too many things – working against them. But like we talked about, Oklahoma, uh, they control their own destiny because if they can win those three games, there's no way they get kept out. And I think Oregon, same thing. They went out, they're in. So I just don't know that there's enough wiggle room because I don't see Alabama getting the boot. I don't know that there's enough wiggle room to get Cincinnati into that top four. It's it's the discussion, and it deserves to be had, is the non-power five. If yep. Cincinnati's unbeaten and Alabama's a two-loss mm-hmm. team and they don't get in, um, the non-power five isn't going to get in. There's no yep. scenario. Especially in this, this is the year because there's there's more parity up top, mm-hmm. I think. Um, there's not a lot separating teams two through ten uh, yeah. in the polls. I mean, they're, yeah, Alabama's Alabama, but again, they don't seem to have that same – Yeah. You know, thing this year. They they mm-hmm. they didn't blow LSU out the other night, and LSU is yep. nothing special right now. Yeah. They won the game. No, but LSU has strangely caused problems for some very good teams this year. They're they're just a, they're just a pain, and mm-hmm. and one of the great uh, trick plays on their punt uh, punt that they ran. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, go Google it. The punter did a, a fantastic job there. I just think this is the year for somebody to get a shot. And here's the problem for the non-power five. If Cincinnati gets in and goes to the, the playoffs and gets their doors blown off, right? Yeah, people are going to penalize everybody else for the next ten years on that for that yep. reason. It's like Notre Dame. Obviously, they're different. Um, you can't put them in the same category really as a Cincinnati, but you can at the same time because it's the same thing. They put Notre Dame in, and they've gotten their doors blown off the last few times. So, like, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt anymore. If that happens to Cincinnati no non-Power 5 team is going to get the benefit of the doubt for the next five to 10 years. That's why you need six or eight teams. You need to just put the give those guys a chance 
but not take it away from a power five conference champ, which is the problem that we, that lies here. Like if you put Cincinnati in, you're taking it away from a team that probably will fare better in the playoff than a Cincinnati. Well, that, that's what's amazing is Alabama is vulnerable and yet mm-hmm. uh, they are still a dominant program. And Cincinnati reminds me of Boise state when mm-hmm. Boise state got a shot in a bowl and you're absolutely right, you guys, you've got to get that win. You've got to be at least competitive because it could set back, set back things for years to come. Maybe it should expand because, yeah, you could always say these teams play a tougher schedule. I'm sorry, but again, when you're working with a team and they run the table and they play the best of their yep. schedule, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. And they, if this is the only title they can win, they should have a shot at it. Otherwise, we're going to see it split. And I think maybe not in our lifetime, but someday you will see this to the point where it's not even affiliate. They'll be split. But don't punish those Cincinnati kids if they do what they've done with that schedule. Here's the problem. Okay, Cincinnati had one one real game, and that was Notre Dame. I say real, talking about <laughs> tough, you know, and that, yeah. and that was but you look at Notre Dame, that's that's their only loss. And that game was in South Bend. So you have to give Cincinnati some props for going on the road and winning that game. Yes. Here's yep. their problem. And I think this is, and I believe this, skeptics will look at them and say, you know what, when you get in the dog days, when you're banged up and you've got injuries and you're playing hurt and all you guys in the season wears on and each week takes a toll, South Florida, SMU, and ECU is not Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. No. And you know what, whether that's fair or not, that's the reality of it. It's not fair to Cincinnati, they're Mm -hmm. the AAC, but they are. So I think that's a legitimate beef, though. Again, I think they, they're going to make it. I think our, you know, a lot of our talk will change in the next couple of weeks when things right. happen. But, I, yeah, I think that's a valid argument. When you don't play a grinding schedule every week, that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, losing to a good team. Like they – the committee puts more – emphasis on good losses, quote unquote, than bad wins. Always. They would take a team with two good losses over a team with a whole bunch of bad wins every year. And it's not, it's not even close because good losses are going to be your power five teams. You're never going to have a good loss. If you're Cincinnati, every loss is bad. Every single one. If you're in a non-power five conference, every loss of the season is bad. You have to play everything. And the, the term bad win. That's an oxymoron. Yeah, a win I mean, is a win, but you're exactly right, Ashley. To their in their eyes, it's a bad win. We see it in basketball, and you say all these teams that got left out. I think the thing has got to expand because I I don't think it's fair to the Cincinnati's, the Boise States yeah. at this point. And you can also try to get non-league games against the powerhouses, mm-hmm. but as I saw with a school in the South again, I won't mention. Their starting quarterback and three guys in defense were injured now for the season because they got hammered on September 2nd before their league, right. and it devastated the program. Mm-hmm. So you can take the money and try to get that big game, take the check, but you're also going to take back your trainers and doctors with a lot of people that are hurt. So that's the trade-off to try to get that schedule a lot harder. Yeah, we, we should mention at least Texas, San Antonio, 9-0. and That's it. They get a mention. That's <laughs> yeah, I, guys, I also think the one interesting thing that people were griping about this week was the fact that Michigan jumped Michigan State after the Michigan State lost to Purdue, but obviously they own the head-to-head. 
So like, how do you treat head to heads, but you don't treat them the same every time? Cause there are other teams that are ahead of others who have lost. So like this becomes interesting as things go forward and you get big 10 teams playing one another. Well, how do things adjust whether it's head to head? The problem is once you stack up head to heads at the beginning of the season, don't mean as much as head to heads at the end of the season, because toward the end of the season, every week, you're either going up or down and they kind of forget about as long as you won the game, they don't care what, what it was about, like who you played the head to heads matter much less at the beginning of the season than they do at the end. Yeah. I, I saw Michigan state a couple times this year. I think they're way overrated. I can't believe yeah. they've only lost one game. Yep. Um, I don't think they're really a serious part of this discussion. I could see them losing at Ohio state and then against Penn state yep. uh, to take himself out of the discussion. I just don't see it. They may pull a Heisman Trophy out of there this year, but uh, I think they're just kind of – they're on borrowed time. Yeah. You know what's going to be fun is look back at what uh, this piece yeah. in eight weeks. Yeah. Okay, and I'll do that, and I'll be the how first long, one to how say, wrong we were. what an idiot, what were you thinking? <laughs> or Great job. It's always for, fun to do that. Listen, for the most part, I have to give us props. Between the three of us, we've had some pretty, like, I want to say outlandish, but also, like, pretty good predictions. Go Georgia. Mm-hmm. Go Georgia. We'll go Georgia, for that. Georgia, the Braves, and I'm not sure that I've picked anything correctly, but we'll pretend. No, right. we'll find it. Yeah. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll go back. Yeah. We'll, we'll get our uh, research staff to find the. Yeah. Final <laughs> yeah. All right, hey folks. The current supply and demand challenges within the auto industry makes this a perfect time for you to get top dollar for your vehicle. Right now, Mohawk Honda, you can take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. They'll put cash in your hand for your vehicle the same day you come in even if you don't buy from them. That's a pretty sweet deal, especially for all those recent college grads or students in need of a new ride or from extra cash. Mohawk Hondas consistently kept their lot fully stocked with hundreds of pre-owned vehicles. Their large inventory makes shopping fun as you browse through the many makes and models to choose from, and you, boom, can also check out their full selection online. So stop in and say hi to Greg Johnson, the assistant general manager, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Hot Sauce Johnson, Luis, the VIP man, Morales, and many of the other helpful sales consultants here at Mohawk Honda. There's a vast selection of Honda certified pre-owned vehicles, so now is the time to take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Mohawk Honda and Glenville, where they always go out of their way to, to please you. you. Yes. All right, the NFL, the big story of the week. Again, it's like sort of on the field, sort of off the field. The fact that Odell Beckham Jr. has been released by yet another team, gotten rid of by yet another team, because he's just a pain in the you-know-what. He's a pain. I don't care if they don't target you. You're a pain in the butt. Like, your dad is posting things. Like, what are you, 12? Your dad has to post (laughs) things about how you're not being targeted? Come on. I'll be very interested to see who picks him up. He was not claimed off waivers, so now he can sign as a free agent anywhere. Um, we can talk about what teams need him. I'm sure there are plenty. It's a matter of, do you want to take on the pain in the butt that is Odell Beckham Jr.? Do the Raiders want him? No, no, no. You know, I, I don't like the word diva as it relates to my football team. And he's a big one. Yeah, he is. Uh, the Raiders just brought in Deshaun Jackson. He's there for one reason. He's there to run fly routes and then make the defense cover him, pay attention to him, and open things up under the middle for Waller and Renfro and hopefully Brian Edwards. The Raiders showed last week what happens without a deep threat because Edwards and, and the other receivers, Zay Jones, weren't getting any separation, and the, the red zone was awful. But, no, I don't want Odell Beckham. We got Deshaun Jackson. He'll fill that role. 
I read this morning before we uh, recorded Beckham is uh, the, the three teams are the Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs that he's zeroing in on. No and, Patriots? Uh, he's not no. going to be a Bill Belichick reclamation project, Eric? Hey, it would hey, be look, interesting. I knew this was coming. So Randy <laughs> Moss floated it the other night on ESPN mm-hmm. because – and Randy Moss saved his career in New England. He was brought in and say, if you F up at all, you're gone. And he turned the corner and it and he made you know an impact. So it it could make sense, but I am also not a fan of bringing in a Josh Gordon, a Chad Ochocinco. Okay, enough of that garbage. They'll disrupt the locker room. And especially with a young QB, we do not need to see that in Foxborough. And Dennis Green once said they are who they we thought they were. That fits the description of Beckham. Mm-hmm. Good luck wherever he goes, but he's not going to Vegas and he's not going to Foxborough. Thank you very much. Sean, you said Packers, Chiefs, who? Saints. Saints. Yeah, I mean, no Michael Thomas in New Orleans, but they don't really have a quarterback. So, like, is he going to put them over the top? I'm not sure. Uh, listen, you've already got problems in Green Bay. You've got issues. What what the heck is another one? Like, bring it on, baby. Like, you wouldn't even be the biggest distraction if you went to Green Bay, and he would make them better. I mean, even if it's just to take attention away from other receivers, like, Devontae Adams, when he's healthy, is one of the best receivers in the league. But other than that, they're just like, Valdez Scantling is not a good enough receiver. They have receivers, but they're just not good enough. Um, and everybody so he, covers Adams. You're right. He would so, make I mean, them better. Put him out there, sure, but we we know right now the kid at QB, if he's going to still be out there, can't even find it to him. So yeah. not uh, a good fit. Seattle will be a good fit if he wants it. Seattle wanted uh, Russell Wilson yeah. and Pete Carroll wanted Antonio Brown uh, when he was available. I could see that. As a, as but he a wants pick. a title contender? Like, he wants that's a title, not a title contender. contender. And that's, no, it's not. Not in Seattle. And Devontae Adams, by the way, don't get injured the rest of the year because you're going to look great in silver and black next year when you're playing with your college quarterback. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, guys, we, I, I feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like I say this every week. When you think you know one thing about the NFL, the NFL week after week, and I think this week more than any, has proved that you know absolutely freaking nothing. Because if there is a single person on the planet other than like some crazy Jags fan who's like, I'm going to put $500 on the Jags to beat the Bills – no chance that you would have, first yeah. of all, a nine to six game. I haven't seen anything like it in years, but a yeah. nine, six bills lost to the one previously one win Jags. That to me was the biggest stunner, but it certainly wasn't the only stunner. Well, you no. you had four first place teams lose to teams 500 or worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Arizona wins without Murray and Hopkins. Who saw that coming? Like you said, the London Jaguars won in Jacksonville. I think the last time they won in Jacksonville, Disney World opened. All right. And then Tennessee wins without Henry. I want to touch on the Titans, Sean, Mm -hmm. is that they really impressed me in L.A. And now they're the number one seed. Now, that's as of now. In about 10 minutes, that'll change. But their schedule the rest of the way combined winning percentage of 36 percent. And hats off to Adrian Peterson. Okay, he looks half the size of Henry to see him. But to be a running back in this league for 15 years and still be able to just take a phone call and get on the field two days later. Hats off to Adrian Peterson and hats off to the Titans this week, Sean. 
But as Ashley says, next week's another story. Probably. Well, I'm trying to figure out what happened to Dallas. Did they not realize oh, they had a game on the schedule? God. You know how I feel about the Broncos, the five and four Broncos. That's yeah. five more wins than I thought they'd get this year. I don't know what happened to Dallas. Is it just one of those days you mail it in, you regroup, and you come back? Maybe they got a little too fat and happy on a three-four yeah. game uh, division lead. But yeah, it's crazy, and uh, and it just shows you at any time. The thing I am looking at, I wasn't going to bring up this guy's name because he disgusts me now, but I will. This week, Aaron Rodgers might play. Mm-hmm. How is he going to be received? The game's in Lambeau Field. I know he's an icon there. He's a legend. Yeah, he'll be fine. To me, he cost his team a very winnable game. Yep. He did. Okay, in a very tightly contested race for home field advantage in the NFC. So – it goes back to that whole thing when it comes to COVID. Are you a good teammate or are you selfish or whatever? I think he's selfish. You can't be both in this scenario. And he cost his team big time last week. And they may look back at that loss. I mean, they kept the Chiefs to 13 points. That's a that's a game they got to win. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Are the Packers, do you root for the team or do you root for the name of the, the, the old line? Do you root for the name on the front of the jersey or the one in the back? Fans are very quick to forgive especially when they realize very quickly that they are not going to win with Jordan Love. I mean, listen, I know it's his first game, and he got better as the game progressed, but Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers gives them the only chance to win a Super Bowl. So guess what? Welcome back, Aaron Rodgers. Go win us some more games. Fans, organizations, people forgive very quickly when when it's the difference between winning or not winning. Yep, we'll take Aaron Rodgers, regardless Ashley, of the drama. You, you have a Packer fan pretty close in your life. What's I the do. thought process there? Uh, Chris says he's a total idiot. He's selfish. He's a bad teammate, all of the above. But again, he wants him on the field. He, yeah. he is the chance for the Packers to win. That, like, And again, Jordan Love may need some time, but I think we'll quickly learn – if Jordan Love is who Aaron Rodgers was behind Brett Favre. Like, I, we're not going to see it this year probably because Aaron Rodgers will play out the rest of the season. But I think we'll very quickly learn that Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers next season when he's the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Well, we we saw what happens when a star QB lets down his teammates and his mm-hmm. fans. We saw it. Watch that game, and I said, that pass would have been completed. That pass. Mm-hmm. But it's a rookie tossing the fire with the Packers who yep. needs seasoning. It would be like calling up a kid from a double-A team and putting him on the mound in September, okay? The kid needs seasoning, and Jordan Love will be will be there in time. But uh, very disappointing, and, and as for the Cowboys, we saw what happened there. You've got a quarterback who did not get full reps. If people want to go the Allen Iverson route and say, practice, well, guess what? In football, in the NFL, you need those reps with the first team. That's an important week. You've got to have that. Dak did not have that. I think in the case of him and in the case of Stafford, who was abysmal, we saw the two uh, ins that he threw. They had 12 penalties, five sacks. You're going to have a bad day, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not giving up on the Rams in that case, but Dak just needed more time. But I, I really hope uh, that Rogers. it sounded like this morning that he is apologizing a bit. Get yep. back in the damn field because you're getting yep. up there and your team could win it all. Don't yep. let them down. And not to go back to this, but this it feels like I always want to go back to it because the Packers freaking reached on Jordan Love. Like, you took the guy in the first round. I don't care. I know you said he needs seasoning, but he's a first-round pick. 
They traded Fourth up together. Picks can't need seasoning anymore. No. And he's already been behind Aaron Rodgers for a season and a half, at least. I, I just, I'm, if you can't do it now, I'm not sure that you're ever going to be able to do it. And I don't know if, I just can't, it, it, it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that a guy who they went up and got while Aaron Rodgers was on their team with their first round pick, and this is how it's playing out. It doesn't, it doesn't bode well for the future in Green It can't play out that way. But they traded up to get him for a team yep. that had just been to the NFC title game instead yep. of reloading and adding some more weapons. I agree with you, actually. He's got to be better than that. And this isn't 10, 15, 20 years ago where a quarterback right. comes and sits for a couple of years and he learns, or even 40 years ago when it would have happened for, for three, four years. Um, yeah, he looked terrible. He looked out of his league. And not only that, but like if you're going to go into a game, this is going to sound crazy because of who the Chiefs, who we thought they were last year. If you're going to go into a game, your first NFL start, then great. Let's do it against the Chiefs defense. And he couldn't do squat against a really bad defense. Yeah, I was rooting hard for the kid. One, because I hate the Chiefs, but two, because I've really – my feelings on Aaron Rodgers have changed. And I Mm -hmm. wanted – I wanted love to step up and play well so Rodgers wasn't so damn important because that Mm -hmm. just fuels his ego now. Um, but he holds all the cards because love. It was a one game, one off, but but it wasn't very good. Yeah. Look at this division, though. Okay, if you're Green Bay fans, you can say, "Do we have any threats here?" All right, maybe Minnesota. No. But let's touch on the Vikings. Okay, the team that every week you don't want to put a dime on because you don't know <laughs> they'll no lead, they'll yeah. come back and lose or win. They're not going anywhere with that defense. Listen to these numbers against Baltimore: eighty-nine plays, five hundred yards. 36 first downs. It takes the Lions three weeks to do that. Yeah. And these were numbers against Baltimore, and yet they only lose to the Ravens in overtime because the Ravens are the same way. So Green Bay fans should rejoice that they're in such a blank division. Yep. Yeah, the disappointing, the other disappointing team was the Rams. I I watched the early part of that game. That defense looked lights out, and I thought they were going to cruise to an easy win. But Stafford couldn't get anything going, and and Tennessee did. So that was a stunner for me because I'm watching the Rams the other night in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, and all I kept thinking of was this team looks like a Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. And did you think your Raiders would lose to my Giants? <laughs> no. I feel like that was a little bit of a stunner. Uh, one for six in the red zone, missed a 25-yard field yeah. goal. Listen, there were the Giants defense showed flashes. They, I mean, listen, they were good last year. They were only they were the only reason their team won games last year. But the Giants defense showed flashes. That there is something to build on in New York. Yeah, I got you gotta give the part of the story with that, you have to give the Giants defense credit. The old Ben but don't break. Yep. They didn't break. They got a pick six. Carr threw a pass he doesn't normally throw, and he yep. threw it a little behind the receiver, gone the other mm-hmm. way. He looked off. I think the rugs thing was a distraction for the mm-hmm. team. They just couldn't get through it. Hopefully that's a one-week thing and you move on. Yep. Um, but you got to credit the Giants because the Raiders, despite all that, had a lot of chances and, and could not get in the end zone. Port distraction. Carr had a bad game. Um, but, again, the Giants had a great defensive game plan. I yeah. said before, the Raider receivers were not getting separation. They didn't help their quarterback out at all. Um, Jacobs had a good game running. Kenny Drake out of the backfield was fantastic. But – it, it was just a combination of a lot of things, but part of it was the Giants' defense played. They made plays when they had to. Yep. And, that, and listen, that was a defense. Too. 
I think finally Judge. we're not going to see Ashley have to say on a Monday morning every two years, the Giants fired their coach. You're the right. The Giants fired their All coach. All the time. It's fired the GM. No more. Judge is the man. They'll go through the wall for him. Get him some talent. The old Parcells line, get me the groceries and I'll bake the cake. And I think Joe Judge is, was a great hire. And I think the Giants will turn the corner and they will play hard week after week, whether they have the quarterback for the future, who knows? But I think they got a great coach. Yeah, and I think so too. And I think it would be different if they had won, they've only won one game so far this season. But I think three, their t- schedule is really tough. I think three yeah. three wins at this point is probably overachieving for that team. So I think already Judge saves his job. He moves on to next season. We're talking about long-term with him. And this is a team that was, like, talk about distractions too. They had 13 positive COVID tests, a handful of which were false positives. Xavier McKinney missed two days of practice and then goes in and comes up with two interceptions. So it's a team that has showed not only flashes, but also a little bit of resilience and, like, the ability to bounce back from some adversity which is something that that team hasn't done in six years, at least. <laughs> so, Yeah, the thing that worried me lastly on that game was Devontae Booker played with the Raiders last year and played very well mm-hmm. in, in relief of uh, Jacobs. The fact that he had a career-high rushing day didn't surprise me at all. I don't think he's a guy that's really gotten a look. Um, but, yeah, again, the Giants were resilient. Jones made it, and the Raiders didn't. And if you do do that in the NFL, you go one for six in the red zone on touchdowns, you're not going to win. Are you worried, any worry about the Bills and just how bad it was? No, I, I think every now and then, at least once, maybe twice, parity is is pretty pretty proficient in the league. One or two bumps the in the road throughout the year. No, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. You know, Josh Allen owned it after the game. It was awful. You didn't lose nine to six to Jacksonville. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, I think they'll be fine. They'll, they'll rebound. Okay. Right. No, we saw some really good teams have really bad weeks the same week this week. And yep. everybody has a bad day at the office. So Bills fans, Ram fans, et cetera, calm down. Things will pick up. They're not that bad. Mr. Optimism, listen to me. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> All right. Hey, in case you didn't realize the calendar, fall is officially here. And that means changes may be coming to your home. Does your furnace need to be replaced? Or are you looking for an upgrade for your heating system? John Stone Supply in Troy can make sure your home is heated properly for this colder weather that's on the way. A family-owned and operated business, John Stone Supply in Troy, has been helping upstate New York residents for decades. Visit their store on 6th Avenue in Troy for more information on how they can help you this fall. Whether it's finding the proper change for your filters making sure your home is heated properly for the new weather, John Stone Supply and Troy staff can help you answer any questions you may have. From George to Tom and many more, the staff is looking forward to seeing you. Follow them on Facebook or call them today at 518-272-5922. John Stone Supply and Troy. Done. Mr. NHL, you're up. Lace them up. All right, we know about last week. So this week we promised we'd give some love to the NHL on the ice. One month into the season, we've learned a lot. So thus the hat with the original six. Yeah. in Lake Placid, old-time hockey, you know. Let's start in our nation's capital, where an immortal capital on ice is checking into the history books. Clean checks, nothing dirty, no penalties. Alex Shovechkin scored his 741st career goal this week. Boy, I'm getting old to tie Brett Hull for fourth in the NHL's career goal list. He's only 
36 years old. And later this year, he could pass Yaramir Yager, who had 766 and is in third. And remember, Yager, of course, uh, Sean knows, we even saw him with the Bruins. He played till he was 46. Now, as for second, well, that's Mr. Gordy Howe with 801, and he burned out many a gold light bulb over his remarkable run. Of course, the great one, Mr. Gretzky, is at 894. I think that's untouchable. Now, Ovi is healthy. He's strong. He's in his 17th year, and he currently leads the league with 11 scores. So hats off to Ovi, an immortal in his own right. Veliki is the word great in Russian. Oh. Now, Connor McDavid has a long way to go to get into that rarefied air. But it, did you guys see the goal he scored against the Rangers? Oh. He weaved through four guys. It was ridiculous. He made the defense look like the Jets' secondary. And then you have Leon Dreisaitl. He's the Messier to McDavid's Gretzky. So the good people of Edmonton, a great city, they're enjoying yeah. a pair of stars again. And we know the Panthers had a distraction. Just watch our show last week. But how about the fact that they've earned 21 of 22 possible points to start the season, and they had not lost in regulation. So good luck and, and congrats to their new coach, Andrew Burnett. And then finally, Carolina, they're blowing people out in the wind. Things are looking up in Minnesota. Great hockey state. Yeah. And in Toronto, where Matthews and Tavares and the other stars have the Maple Leafs rising while our leaves are falling in the yeah. backyard. Yeah, I, you mentioned it, Eric. I think the two teams that are uh, – Canada has a lot to be excited about. Not so much in Montreal, but in Edmonton yeah. and also in Calgary, who I think has been one of the bigger surprises. Listen, the Flames are 7-2-3. and three. It's not mind-blowing, but they're playing some good hockey. Uh, Lindholm, 10 of his first 11 games, he's got points in. Like This is a team that I, th I think has surprised a lot of people. And Edmonton is a whole lot of fun. And they're at the top of the division right now, not surprisingly, 9-2-0. And you said it, when you got, have a guy like Connor McDavid, you're going to win a lot of games. And he he is the star of the NHL, not a star. He's the star of the NHL currently. He is the star. I'm going to rain on the parade a little bit. There are he others. is the star. He's He has transcendent talent, but he hasn't done anything in playoffs. No, sure. And you, you can weave through the New York Ranger defense, and that was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. But he's at a point now, and same with the Maple Leafs. You brought them up. Mm -hmm. The Leafs got a great team. They got a lot of talent, passionate, probably the most passionate fan base in the sport. They die off every year in April. They can't get out of the first round. And same with Edmonton. Connor McDavid's got to take that next step. If he wants to be mentioned with the all-time greats, and he has the talent, you got to do something in April and May and get into June. And Edmonton, unfortunately for them, has been the Siberia of the NHL. Great players go there to die off. There's just nothing going on. Now, they're in first place this year. But, again, it's it's not for me. It's not what McDavid does in the regular season. What's he going to do in the playoffs? Because he's got to put that team on his back and get them through a couple of rounds. And I want them to be good because you want – if you're the NHL, you want Connor McDavid on every TV screen as long as you can in the playoffs. He's your guy you're going to sell and you're going to market around. He's he's the he's not the next big thing. He is the current big thing. But when they lose in five round five games in the first round of the playoffs, you lose the marketability there. So hopefully they can get there. Um, they have the talent around them, but now you got you got to go get it done. 
Well, let me go back to the Flames uh, because Johnny Gaudreau, we saw uh, locally, and he was a star at Boston College, mm -hmm. and what a fabulous player he is. He's not a big guy, but he's fast. And the NHL now is much more different than the years ago when you had big lugs going around and the ice looked like slush. Now it's all about speed, <clears throat> forecheck, backcheck, and the Flames are for real, and you've got a Sutter as a coach of the Flames. And they just had a 5-0 and East Coast trip. You're going to Jersey, you know, and you're playing three games, four days when you do that coming out here because of the area. So you're playing a 5-0 and trip, and they really look solid. I think they're legit. As for Edmonton, uh, Sean, I agree to some extent. I don't think that Connor McDavid will become the Mike Trout of hockey. I do think they'll <laughs> surround him with players. And I think it's important also uh, for folks that really don't know pro hockey compared to the other sports is you have – you have a different scenario. The draft is so much more important. You can't get these big free agents because of the chain system. And the NHL has worked with that financially because a guy can sign with the Rangers for all this, and it's a different dollar in Canada. And they've tried to address that. It's, it's more of a thing where they need the revenue sharing. But the draft in the NHL is imperative, and you don't see NHL teams tank. But when they get the star like him, and Trace Little is also an equal star, I do think uh, – and I have a friend in Calgary, a retired PR person, and he said the rivalry has never been more heated. Edmonton and Calgary are just about three hours apart. And he said it's it's really intense, but he believes both teams are legit in the West. But, of course, Vegas now, folks, take the star. And I think that uh, Buffalo got robbed. You know, Michael <laughs> goes to Vegas. Nobody saw that coming. And I saw a couple picks and a couple guys, but seriously, Ashley, I mean, Buffalo could have done much better on that trade. Yeah, well, uh, listen, Vegas needs Eichel. They, uh, like, they're really struggling. They're very, very injured. So I think it was kind of like, we'll, like, let's just get rid of them. But it feels like Buffalo is always in this, like, never-ending rebuild, no matter what. You yeah. get a guy like Eichel, and somehow five years later, you're still in a rebuild. You're trading away, trading away your star for whatever you can get and you're probably not going to be good again this year. Uh, but Vegas needs him. They're struggling crazily. The one team I wanted to bring up was the Islanders, who you guys both picked as one of your cup favorites. Listen, yep. bad start. Lost three of their first four. Are starting to figure it out, and I think a lot of that has to do with Chara just kind of starting to gel with the defense that he, you know, it's it's guys around him getting used to playing with him. And now you're scoring goals. I think they're giving up 2.4 goals a game, which is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a team that will figure it out. And, like, initially I had some Islanders friends who go, oh, my God, we lost three of our first four. And it's like, just relax. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a little time. Yeah. When you get hot. You know, like the Bruins fan, they've only played 10 games. Same with the yep. Islanders, 10 games. I don't know who did the schedule this year, but whatever they're drinking, I want some. Um, and thank God you brought up the Sabres. They also gave up Taylor Hall, a former Hart Trophy winner, for to the Bruins last year for Andres Bjork in a second-round pick. Thank you. Nothing. Um, yeah. But thank God for the Sabres because as an A's fan, I'm glad the Sabres exist because they might be the only professional sports <laughs> team run worse than the A's. So, But, yeah, but you talk about Vegas, you talk about the Avalanche. You got time. You got time. You'll get it together. They'll exactly. they'll get there eventually. The thing with the Eichel trade, and I haven't seen this. If he has his surgery, do we know when he's expected back? Is he out all year? And it's a it's an no. investment for the future. I don't think he's going to impact them this year at all. Yeah, I don't know exactly what his injury status is, but 
Vegas is already injured, and so are the Avs, who was another favorite that you guys picked. It's not like they're not playing well. They're just trying to overcome a lot. So you also have to think yeah. of that when you're looking at records. It's not just like, oh, well, the record is X, so they must not be playing well. Well, there are a lot of injuries, so they're relying on guys they probably wouldn't have otherwise relied upon. Yeah, and Mark Andrew Fleur has been a – there's a lot a bigger five-hole. Maybe it's time to pack it up. <laughs> he's, had, he's had a tough year, and he's one of the all-time greats and wins in NHL history. Yep. But goalies do age, and when they do, people think, oh, you're a goalie, you sit with big pads in front of a net. Not so. You've got a lot of angles. You've got to be like a peacock with a million eyes watching everywhere. Where's your defenseman? Did it hit the forward? Is it deflected? I think uh, it's sad to see a guy like that, you know, struggle as he is right now because he's right up there among some great goalies with his cup yeah. championships. Speaking of goalies, my Predators are not very good, but the one reason that they've won games at all is Soros in net. The guy is 5-4-1, which the record is eh, through 10 games, but he's got a 9.25 save percentage and a 2.31 goals against. So the fact that they've won any games, he's <laughs> the reason that they've won. <laughs> Get to three and you'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. Score three and you'll go to the playoffs. Board time? Sure. Who wants to go first? Actually, I didn't realize it was Gatorade Day. Did we give them a cheap Ooh, plug? Yeah. You got yours? I got orange. What kind? Do you have orange? Uh, no, I'm a fruit punch type of guy. All right, red. Okay. I got the lemonade going. If it was Gatorade, I would have poured it by now. Lemonade. Okay. You want me to go first? Go first. All right. This is just something stupid that I saw that piqued my interest a little bit, we'll say. Can you read that? Oh, <laughs> we Gore got versus it. Williams. So if you haven't heard, I don't care at all about it, but that's why I'm talking about it. Frank Gore, former NFL running back, 38 years old, is going to fight Darren Williams, former NBA star, 37 years old. Who in the right mind wants to watch that crap? Chris is raising his hand that he wants to watch it. He wants no. to watch it because it's going to be so ridiculous and people will pay to watch this crap of an NBA player, a former NBA player, boxing a former NFL player. This, but The sport of boxing is embarrassing because it's become so sticky and like it's just pure – I get it's entertainment, but it hasn't even become a sport anymore. You're, you, they've, it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, what's to add on that. You pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Chris Good is job. only watching because now all he can watch are highlights of the Braves' last World Series title, right? Right. Exactly. He's shaking his head, yes. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to spout off about that. They're fighting on the undercard of the uh, Jake Paul-Tommy Fury fight. But, like, oh, there you go. cares? I mean, I know that – listen, Frank Gore has a background in boxing. What does that really mean? Uh, Darren Williams has a background in MMA. What does that really mean? Like, I just, I have no interest. I'll, no. I'll watch to see somebody get knocked out, but it's, it's going to be bad, bad technique. It's just going to be ugly. Thank God. It's only four rounds. <laughs> Thankfully. Yes. Thankfully. Sean, what do you have going on? All right. Well, look, we got to acknowledge college basketball started last night. Um, not going to get in it. Go Syracuse. Joseph yeah. Charles the third. Not going to get into crazy predictions. Season's too long. We'll deal with that in March. I know Gonzaga and UCLA got all the love in the polls. Uh, it's good to have it back. Caught some of the games last night. My One of my biggest adversaries in sports happened to win a game over Kentucky. 
Uh, yep. So I just want to let the viewers know over the next five months, five and a half months, you're going to hear a lot of this out of me. I'm on board with Duke Sucks. There's there's actually a, uh, a Twitter handle at Duke Sucks that I uh, <laughs> deal with all. I deal with quite frequently every time we lose. I will say this: I interviewed Mike Chishevsky uh, 30 years ago for a story I was doing. He was a great guy, a class act. This is his swan song. I still hope they lose 25 games, but <laughs> it would be worse. But I, you know, he was a nice guy. He treated me well. Treated me professionally. But. Go Tar Heels, baby. We'll see if the Heels can cut down the Nets uh, in April. Listen, I hate Duke as much as <laughs> pretty much any other team, uh, certainly in college basketball, but pretty much any other team as any of my team's rivals. Uh, but I also hate UNC because they're in the ACC, and I don't like them. My dad's a big UNC fan. He will root for Syracuse against UNC only because for the four years I was there, he was sort of forced to, but yeah, my, my rivalry hatred has changed a little bit. Uh, Duke would be at the top of my Syracuse hatred list, but UNC isn't far behind. So I hope you both lose a lot of games and Syracuse wins a lot of games. <laughs> I accept that Duke is right there for me with the Montreal Canadians, the Denver Broncos and a few others, Texas Longhorns football that, uh, you know, any, any the wrong yeah, no, never going to happen. So okay. I will say, uh, I will say, that Mike Shashevsky uh, is a class act. Uh, I know uh, from our convention, he came to get an award and uh, his AD and him stayed, uh, you know, for the entire event. And then he told his AD, I just want to get, uh, hang out with some of these sports info directors. They do so much great work. And he popped into a reception unannounced and we had to tell everybody no autographs, none of that stuff, no selfies. He's just here to say hi. And he hung out a couple hours with those people and just talked stories and it was a lot of fun and it really showed a lot. So, you know, we, it's hard to root against them and hope that he has a great year, but I do hope at least he gets a good run in the tournament. So. Yeah. It's so funny when I was, I don't know how old I was playing a softball tournament down in North Carolina. And one of our days off, we went to Duke just to walk around. Um, and so we're walking on campus. It's middle of the summer Beautiful. and no, there's nobody on campus. We're just walking, you know, doing our own little tour, whatever. And who do we see walking in a sweatsuit with a tennis racket? Coach K, literally by himself, just walking into like one of the squash courts or something. So we, I, I, I said to my dad, like incredulously, like, what are the chances? Like, that's Coach K. So we just yell, hey, Coach K. And he gives us a wave and keeps on walking. It was pretty funny. All right, there's a TV show that I hate on CBS called Survivor. I still don't know why it's on there. I think it's created evil in competition and in our society. Still on TV. So, but Survivor football. Now, there are a lot of fun ways for fans to get involved in sports. And over the decades, we've seen fantasy baseball, which became football, basketball, hockey, NASCAR, even golf. I once had... Davis Love and Ray Floyd on my golf fantasy team. Uh, but in recent years, we've had survivor games for football. You guys know and you play it, but some folks don't. You golf pick one fantasy. team once a week, and if they win, you advance and stay alive. If they lose or tie, you lose. Sounds simple. Well, some people who run these have to clarify the rules. You must pick a team to win. If they tie, yes, it isn't a loss, but you didn't pick them to win. See ya. 
I've seen some hefty arguments about that. But most people pick the strongest teams in the NFL and predicted blowouts early because there's no use in saving a Buffalo, let's say, when they're playing, oh, at Jacksonville. Or so you would think. Yeah. So this year, people have been tossed out of pools, especially this week, and on to the end of the driveway, waiting for Friday's pickup. So how did that work, picking Buffalo over Jacksonville? Gone. How many thousands had Cincinnati pounding the Jets? See ya. Oh, and just a few rode the Dallas horse at home against that Denver pony. You got tossed, cowpoke. So as the season goes on, you are glued to watch a Dolphins kicker sneak one through. <laughs> As time runs out to keep you alive, you watch a pick six in OT by a lion with your friends, and they wonder why you're tipping over the pitcher. One year, I made it all the way to the conference title game and did not know the names of the other four people left. All I knew, I was still in it. I got a call that night after they all picked losing teams, and I picked a winner. Euphoria! 215 other competitors, and I was the survivor. So... Dang. If you like football and you like stress and you like relying on an NFL kicker to make a 48-yarder into the wind, on the road, in Green Bay, in December, and you like trying to pick a winner from the worst teams in the league at that time of year, give Football Survivor a try. You may or may not be glad you did. Uh, I've been a part of two Survivor pools in my life, and I will embarrassingly admit that I was out in the first week of both pools. Yeah, I was in one for a long time and I always had sympathy for the lady running it because people would, you know, the deadline would be five o'clock on Friday and calling her eight o'clock at night, whatever. I won it twice, uh, over 300 people. I always had a rule, never take a road team. I don't care who it is. Never take, always take a team at home. And I agree with you, Eric. Don't save anybody. Don't look on. We'll take them this week. Survive in advance, baby. You got to, there is no week eight if you don't buy week four. So that used to be the, used to be the general rule of thumb there that, uh, to do it. But yeah, the one year I do remember I had the Vikings against Carolina way back when, over 20 years ago, Vikings were a big favorite that day. They lost at home to Carolina. I got knocked out. The Vikings didn't lose another game the rest of the year into the NFC title game in 1998 season, January of 99 to Atlanta. The Dirty Bird Falcons. It was their only loss of the regular season, and they excused me from the tournament. Dang. Yeah, I love Survivor Pools, but I think the first time – I can't remember what the second time I did, but the first time I was in one, I picked the Bengals over the Browns in week one, and they screwed me over. (laughs) Two bad teams, though. That's my bad. There you go. I I still look back, and I I was down to the dregs of society in the late season, and now it's a crapshoot. You're reading every note and say, oh, screw it. I'll take this team. And somehow, late kick, pick six in OT, it's amazing, but it's 99% luck, and I think last week shows that, and I'm not talking about Oliver Luck. (laughs) Well, I've got to up my game. You've both won Survivor Pools. I've never even gotten out of the first freaking week. I think the big story out of the show is Nerd Alert. Fantasy Golf? Fantasy Golf. It was actually fun and briefly how it worked. My assistant came up with it. You took, uh, you had four players. You took two PGA, you had an LPGA, and you had a senior PGA. Okay? And you would pick those four players. And then that week, if they missed the cut, you don't get a dime. If they won, you would get money. 
And so at the end of the week, there'd be people with different points leaders. I did not do NASCAR, cool. but golf was kind of cool. Okay, and it was cool. fun to watch. And I liked the fact that it included the LPGA and senior LPGA, too. You had to stick with the same golfers all season? Yes, you do, but you can wow. make a trade. Yep. <laughs> Imagine trading, trading like Bryson DeChambeau for Annika Sorenstam. All right, that right. Okay? That's funny. All righty. On that note. Yeah, we're out of here. We're done. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter at MMMATB1. Thank you for hanging out with us for another week. We'll see you next week. I am on vacation, so you guys are going to run the show. Good luck. I'll see you the week after. Yeah, I don't know. What are we going to do without her? We're going to miss right. her. She won't miss us. She'll have fun. Have yeah, a good time. She deserves a break from us. <laughs> Bye, guys.